Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to the From Way Downtown podcast. I am Indy Star Pacers editor Nat Newell. Here, of course, with uh, our Pacers beat writer, Dustin Dopirak. Uh, season's over now. Um, the Pacers have had their exit interviews. All their players spoke Monday. Rick Carlisle talked Monday. Uh, Kevin Pritchard, team president, talked Tuesday. Uh, the, now the real stuff starts with the, uh, the draft coming up, obviously, free agency, everything else. Um, and so we got uh, Dustin here to go over it. Um, we'll hit uh, do a couple quick hitters first on uh, sort of, I guess, the newsiest stuff from uh, the press conferences the last couple of days. Um, let's start with Buddy Heald. Uh, it's sort of reading between the lines by me. It seems like they would be they would have no issues bringing Heald back, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a great fit for a number of reasons. Just sort of what was your take on? Uh, and when I say great fit, I, I don't mean personality or anything along yeah. those chemistry, obviously. But what what was your take on the Buddy Heald uh, information from uh, Kevin Pritchard? Yeah, I mean, there's there was definitely some sort of contradictory stuff there, and and really, um, looking really watching Kevin Pritchard, um, you know, it's sort of, um, just just seeing the gears in his head turn when I asked him the question if he was going to look to do an early extension, uh, with him, and it, he was sort of deciding sort of what he wanted to say and how he wanted to say it. I mean, the the term he used is that, but the way he explained it was if. If we can, we have to find, he has to find a role that he's comfortable with and we have to find a role that we're comfortable with. And if we can do that, then I'm not opposed to it. And I think what that, what that means is basically, I think at the end of the day, Buddy's got to be okay with coming. If, if they, if, if he wants to stay, he's got to be okay with coming off the bench and he's got to be okay with making less money than he's making right now. Uh, I, I, that doesn't mean a dramatic pay cut. That doesn't mean going down to the veteran minimum or something like that. But I think it does mean, uh, that, that I, I just would be surprised if they can pay him 20 million a year. Um, and, and that might not be a wise move, uh, for Buddy Heald. But I mean, I think obviously, you know, another thing, obviously that they made a point to say was that they view, uh, Tyrese Halliburton as a partner in this and and they they were also talking at length about defense and saying that that buddy's got to be able to step up defensively if he's going to be a part of this going forward um and buddy just i mean he's 30 you know like how much better of a defender is he really going to get to be um you know like he, he's not going to be a lockdown guy that's not coming um you know at this point it's sort of set in stone as to what he is he's not you know he even kind of said you know i'm not really going to change who i am i'm an elite floor spacer you know and and i do what i can other than that um, and, and that's right now, do you, do you need the elite floor spacer? How important is that to make, to unlock all that is Tyrese Halliburton and all that is Miles Turner? How important is it to have a guy, uh, who has that kind of gravity running around and, but, but can you keep having that guy if he can't guard anybody? And, and if Tyrese Halliburton also has to go a long ways as a defensive player, I mean, there, there's a, hard, a lot of pieces that are hard to make work. Um, so what that ultimately tells me is if there is a great package to be had uh, for Buddy Heald, they'll be willing to, you know, if, if they can put Hill together in a package and, and get a great return, they'll be willing to do it. Well, they will, it, you know, 
they would have to have a really good reason to do an early extension. They, he'd have to prove something to them, and he'd also have to prove, you know, tell them something. But uh, the, on the flip side, I mean, Tyrese is going on vacation with Buddy in a couple weeks. <laughs> Like they're going to the Bahamas together. They are really close. And Buddy is uh, an integral part of that locker room. I mean, like he it, it it's interesting, you know, do you call him a leader or a captain? Not really. Um, but he does set a good example as far as the fact that he wants to play every day. And apparently they really had to push him to tell him to take two days off because he had the flu and they didn't want, you know, him bringing the flu into the locker room. He was wet, ready to play. Uh, and a doctor had to step in and say, you're not bringing that into this clubhouse. <laughs> you know, like you have to stop. You like I don't care that much about you playing 82. Like you're not getting the whole team sick here. Um, so like he sets a good example. You know, he is an interesting clubhouse presence. He generally likes everybody. He's, uh, you know, he's eccentric, uh, certainly, but that seems to play well, I think, or, or you know, it, it doesn't play well in every locker room, but it plays well in this one. Um, so there is value to him, and I, and I think Kevin Pritchard understands that, but it's just a question of how much are you willing to pay for it um, and how much are you willing to pass up if there is a, a good uh, offer out there on the table. I mean, you know, they're like... God, I mean, you, we were just watching the Lakers last night. How many times, you know, would they have been better off having Buddy healed in the corner? Uh, you know, Schrader obviously ends up hitting that big three uh, to put them up and and give them the lead with with 1.4 to go. But, I mean, they were, I think, 7 of 16 or something worse than that, uh, you know, coming down the stretch or 7 of 26. I don't know. It was bad. They missed a lot of threes and, like, the Lakers could really use a buddy healed, and there are other teams out there. For as much as the uh, emphasis is placed on the three ball, uh, healed is one of the most prolific three point shooters of all time. He's 29th on the list right now, and he's still 30, and he's easily got, uh, you know, in terms of physical shape, he's got seven, eight years at least, uh, just in terms of being able to run up and down because he keeps himself in that good of shape. Uh, he's just not a great defender, um, and you know, he's he's a good enough guy getting his his shots off the bounce. But I mean, Benedict Matherin is better than that, and you know, you have him cheaper right now as a rookie. So uh, and Matt, and I think you have to start Matherin. I, I think at this point, you know, it's it's time. Basically, I think they've reached that point at the end that it's OK. It's time to elevate him and uh, make him ready to be a starting player. And, and you know, can you have Matherin and Heald out there starting together if, if you can't really trust either one of those guys on defense right now? Um, so I think that's that's the question. And, and it's, it is I, I think Pritchard was ultimately being honest when he said, you know, it's like he's he's got to defend well enough to make it work and he's got to be comfortable with the role and what that ultimately does mean is is probably less in the way of dollars and cents yeah to me it's just the it's just the pieces don't quite fit i mean i think heels a a really nice player as you know he could really fit in on any team um in the nba um which in part means that there's other teams that are going to want him and you can probably get something for him and it's just the, i mean again he's a better clearly he's a better three-point shooter than anyone else they have but you got nevhard you've got uh naismith you've got matherin you've got mcconnell I mean, there's only so many wing minutes to go around. Um, so it, it just seems like, it, I mean, it's not that you don't want to keep him, but, but you, you just almost can't because of the way the team is fit, put together. Um, they also mentioned the, the there's three free agents on the team. Uh, George Hill, James Johnson, O'Shea Brissett. Um, I real quick just hit on what uh, what was said about uh, the three of them going. Forward. Yeah, I, I asked uh, Kevin if he had any thoughts yet on what he was going to do with those guys, and he said that's a July 10th decision, um, which was an interesting way of putting that. I thought, um, and he, he basically says, okay, it's it's finding out what you're going to do with the guys that you draft and and how many of them you're going to get, um, because as he said flat out, you know, he does not intend to bring in five rookies on that team. He doesn't intend to bring in four rookies on this team. I, I think there's uh, still some you know coin flips and what to, what not 
not to determine whether or not they get uh, two picks in the second round. Um, and and I would you know even even three uh, would be a lot to take in. So I think they're certainly looking to package uh, somebody. But even so, you know it, it's you know you're going to have fewer roster spots. I mean, if, if they do nothing else uh, in the off season, um, you know, and they just bring in you know two guys, uh, you know, they got at least let let one of those free agents go. Um, basically, there's there's currently no roster space, so they've got to open, uh, got to get you know get rid of somebody to open something up, and you know, I just one of those. I mean, I I think they'll they'll lose too. Uh, but but he said you know that's a decision we'll make on July 10th, and it's also a decision you know I'm not going to float out there right now. I don't want to say to anything to help them or or give them false hope or hurt them or whatever. I don't want to say they're not coming back, and I don't want to say they are. He says those are all three great guys, and I you know the plan is to you know look them in the eye over dinner and tell them this is why we're doing what we're doing. And you know I I think in each of their cases trying to find them another landing spot. Um, you know obviously James Johnson. They brought back after they released. They had to release him to take on all the pieces from the Bucks, uh, basically because you know the Bucks were just sort of you know kind of giving away free couches there. And um, you know they they had to take on Hill and Nora and Serge Ibaka, and they knew they were going to cut Ibaka. Um, but uh, you know they had to put Johnson on the waiver wire. But they brought him back, and that tells you something that that out of the three, you know they let go two younger players and Terry Taylor and, and Goga Batadze, uh, but they kept James Johnson because they really like his leadership. They really like what he does uh, in the locker room and, and uh you know really his teammates really adore him so i mean i i um i think they're ultimately going to have to part with him um but it's going to be hard for them to do because they really really like him and you know if if uh you know if if there is something else that he can do that doesn't require a roster spot i'm sure the pacers would be happy to let him do it but i imagine james thinks he's still got some left in the tank will be willing to go someplace else um you know the other two Brissett and george hill and i, I think they're just gonna have to let Brissett walk uh, at the end of the day because i think they're going to add to that position uh, at the four they'll probably look to do that in the draft and they'll probably do that in trades and i just don't know that there's a role for him because I think they like Jordan Nora uh, a lot. I, I think they've been really happy with what they've got out of him as a scorer. I think they see see more potential there out of Nora than they do with, do with Brissett. Again, Brissett's a really, really well-liked guy. They really like his personality. He's a great kid. Um, does a lot, does several things well, but I think Nora does several things better. I think Neesmith does several things better. Neesmith is a guy, obviously, you can play at a couple of different positions, but I think they're going to draft a four and they might even trade for a four. Uh, so I just don't see there being uh, a lot of opportunity there for Brissett, so I imagine they're going to let him go. Uh, George Hill, I think, is the interesting case. I think if, if there is going to be, uh, you know, he kept call, referring to Udonis Haslam uh, as as a rule that he'd be happy to play, and I think they'd be happy to have him in it. Um, I, I think at the, at the end of the day, I think he is the one of those three guys that will still be on the roster. Uh, you know, come mid-July, um, because I think they did see a lot of good leadership there. I think they see a lot of what they saw in Johnson, but a guy that's in better shape uh, at the end of the day, a guy that's that that has uh, more left in his tank. Um, you know, just basically, I mean, you know, James Johnson can still, still do some things, but if you're just looking physical condition, Hill is in far uh, better shape. And I don't mean that to reap on James. James works really, really hard to keep himself as good as he can. But I mean, Hill, from a physical perspective, doesn't look any different. You know, at uh, you know, you could maybe see a couple gray hairs in there, but physically, you know, he still looks like he can run you a marathon whenever you'd like him to. Um, and so uh, that's that matters. And I think he's a guy that can play out of the guard position. He can still defend. Um, you know, again, he's not the player he was, you know, seven eight years ago. But you know, he could, you know, if you need him to run the point, he can run the point. If you need him to play play the two, he can play the two. Uh, and you know, if a couple guys get hurt at the one, you know, he can step in there and do it. And so there's still an on court uh, role for him, even if it means 
since he doesn't play very very often, takes a bunch of DNPs. If you have a couple guys hurt, he could step in and play for you and uh, gives a, a lot of leadership, you know, both on and off the court. You know, as a guy that can tell you, you know, like he walked in the door day one when they acquired him, was already telling the guys, hey, you know, check this out, look at this. Uh, I think he could be a great mentor for Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he can, he's helpful for TJ McConnell. He could be helpful for Andrew Nemhard and, and for a bunch of other guys. And the fact that he's an Indianapolis guy, uh, makes a difference too. He knows what it's like to win in Indiana and he's connected in the community. If, if for guys that want to be invested in the community and, and George Hill is a guy that can get you involved there and talk, get you to talk to the right people. Um, so it just seems like there's more value. It, you know, if none of those guys are going to play, George Hill is the one guy that has value if he's not going to play very much. Udonis Haslam had seven, the last seven seasons, most games he ever appeared in is 16. So I look forward to seeing George Hill on the roster in 2029 for the Pacers playing, uh, you know, eight mm-hmm. games a year. So that sounds, that sounds like what we're going to get from him. Um, Absolutely. And, and I, I mean, like, George will probably still be able to, like, run the floor, <laughs> at least. Whether he can play or not, I don't know. But he'll 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 still be in good shape. George works his butt off. So yeah, forty four year old George Hill is a thing that we can look forward to. I think Haslam scored. Didn't he score twenty four points the other? He did. Night? He like, did. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's what so. George came for. He could be on the same list as Udonis Haslam and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and whoever else, uh, Vince Carter, whoever else it was, who had twenty four points at the age of forty two or older. So uh, there you go. But, it can happen. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, that, that's that'll be fascinating. I think Brissett. I think you hit it on the head with Brissett. Obviously, I think he's got a role in this league. I just don't think it's with the Pacers. So I think he'll be uh, he'll be somewhere else. Um, perhaps the most interesting, like sort of player related thing that came out of all the press conferences to me was they're just flat out saying that they're consulting with uh, Halliburton on you know the roster transactions, all that kind of stuff. It's not a surprise because. That's mm-hmm. not common for top players in the NBA to be consulted on that stuff. But uh, I, I guess just what was your take when you heard them sort of discuss just how, um, I don't know, overt or just how direct um, that relationship and those conversations were with with Tyrese? Yeah, the overtness is really what stands out to me. I mean, that's totally the word I would use just as to why it's intriguing i mean i like i said I, I don't know that it would be surprising i mean i think you know pritchard was even talking about it and saying you know i consult with other guys too i mean i'm sure he talks to miles turner i mean there, there's a lot of smart basketball guys in that locker room even young guys uh you know like it's 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 honestly you know like it's it's been a really fun team to cover uh for for my my first nba beat because i mean you can uh, you know, even as a media guy, you can just get into basketball debates in that locker room. You know, if it, when you walk in there, if pregame, if you don't have anything that you're chasing uh, and, you know, you can just ask guys, you know, what they thought of the tournament or what do you think about this or whatever. And and those guys have opinions. And so you can have fun conversations with them about that. They're really plugged in as a group. So I'm sure that, you know, um, uh, Halliburton isn't the only guy that he talks to and says, hey, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? I think there's a, a number of players in that locker room who he respects. But, you know, Halliburton at the end of the day is, is going to be the guy that drives this train. Um, and, you know, he is their top recruiter and he's the top asset uh, to recruit as a pass first guy. He is the sort of player that you want to play with. I mean, it, like, uh, you know, the, like obviously markets and cities and franchises have something to do with it. But, you know, like if 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 it's if, if you had a pickup tournament, you know, like if you just took took every player out there and, you know, made so many guys a captain uh, in a pickup tournament, Halliburton's the guy you want to play with because he's going to get the most out of you because he's passed first and he's going to unlock um what 
you know, the best in you. Uh, you know, I think that's already happened with Turner. I, I think you've already seen um, how much better of a player he can be when he's got a point guard that's really invested in, in getting the best out of him. Um, so they view that as, as an asset on top of an asset, that, that he's not just a great player, but he is a great player that draws other people that, that can uh, that can lead, that can be a captain, that can you know, draw, you know, attract free agents, attract guys in trades, um, or just, again, just generally make players want to play there. And and even beyond that, I mean, he, he's a guy that, that you, you know, makes you the face of whatever you want to make him the face of. Uh, you know, you can put him in front of every every camera there is. Um, and he, you know, I, I think Pritchard said, you know, he's, he's the best connector I've been around ever and said, you know, he can connect with the ball boys. He can connect uh, with CEOs. I mean, Halliburton is, is comfortable in every single conversation with every single person, no matter how high or low on the totem pole that you might say, you know, like it, it's, it, he, he can literally talk to anybody and make them feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, that's an asset. And, and for that reason, they're saying, hey, you know, we want you to be a guy that is involved in decisions. And that certainly makes him feel comfortable and, and, and also says, hey, that means we'd like you to sign a contract, you know, but it seems like that's going to be easy to do. The Pacers are going to be willing to offer him whatever he wants. And uh, from a money perspective, and, you know, it seems Halliburton is, is very, you know, uh, in invested in the idea of being central to this. And I think he really likes the idea, but I think it, I, I just thought it was interesting that, that apparently, you know, the way Pritchard put it, your know, Carlisle came out and, you know, we, we didn't extract this, you know, like, I, I think that that's always notable to me when uh, basically like when it, when it comes to the answers of, of, GMs or coaches or players or whoever, you know, what you extract when you're trying to dig for things versus what they uh, make a point to say without you asking. Um, and, you know, nobody asked about Halliburton being uh, Carlisle about Halliburton being a partner. But but that's one thing that Carlisle said is that, you know, when you get to be the franchise, you're a part, you're really a partner in it. Um, and, you know, Pritchard came out and took it the next step and said basically that they said this in, in his exit meeting that the guys that were in that room, it was Kevin Pritchard, uh, Rick Carlisle. Lloyd Pierce, Chad Buchanan, and Tyrese Halliburton, and basically those are the five five people that uh, are going to be making the decisions. And Pritchard made a point of saying, "Hey, like I don't want to put the pressure on him to say that it's his call. You know, he's not the president of basketball operations. I am. I'm the guy who makes the final decisions." Um, but Halliburton is going to have a say in that. And ultimately, I'm not going to make a decision that I don't run past him, that, that I don't make sure that he's uh, pretty much comfortable with or, or at least talk through with him. If, if he's going to make a decision that's going to go against what Tyrese wants, Tyrese is at least going to know it's coming um, and and have an idea what, uh, you know, Kevin's idea is or, or, or why he wants to do that. Certainly when it comes to Buddy, you imagine that that'll be the case and saying, hey, you know, this is why, we, you know, if, if they decide if and when they decide to move on from Buddy, they're going to have to tell call Tyrese in and say, hey, this is why we're doing it. Um, and, you know, Tyrese might not be able to overrule him, um, but he'll at least be, you know, given the explanation as to why. Um, and so uh, I, I think I, it was just notable to me that, that that was something that was formally done um, and overtly done as opposed to uh, something that just sort of happened gradually, you know, uh, you know, just this uh, uh, gradually kind of organically became a thing that they, they wanted to wanted him to know that that that's how they view him. And they wanted the public to know that also uh, is something I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, and it seems like uh, I mean, we've talked about it before that Halliburton is a guy who is self-critical, looking for ways to get better, not afraid, uh, you know, to do that kind of stuff. So it does seem like he'd be the perfect guy, uh, for a perfect player to have in that role. Let's um, let's you mentioned something that's obviously very interesting. So we'll transition from to the to the what's next for the Pacers, which is sort of the big overarching 
um, question here. We just don't have any real specifics at this point, of course. But um, the thing that jumps out to me first is they're banking heavily on, oh, I should, maybe not heavily, they're, they're certainly, they consider their chemistry a huge asset. Um, mm. And yet you just mentioned it. What if you're, you're, you're trading Buddy Heald or not re-signing Buddy Heald? I mean, chemistry can change on a dime. I mean, you don't need to, whatever, you know, we've both been around sports teams forever. Um, this is not an NBA thing. It's anything. So, I mean, are they counting too much on that, do you think? Or, uh, I mean, because just next year, it could be, to- it just could be totally different. And it seems like, and it was, de- I think it was definitely there. I'm not a big intangibles, leadership, chemistry type guy, but I don't think you can deny that the, that, that was there with this team. So what are your mm-hmm. feelings about that? I mean, is, are they counting on that too much going forward? I mean, that's it, one of the things, like, ask me in August uh, yeah. if they're counting yeah. that on too much but going forward. I, I, because, And I say that because um, it, I, it, it struck me just how um, – I mean, it's been the case all year. I mean, everybody I've sort of talked to around this, and obviously this is my the first NBA team I'm covering, uh, you know, on a on a full time basis. So it's you know, like I I've seen a professional locker room, but I don't know. I covered the Pirates, I covered the Steelers, you know, and, and it's different dynamics because uh, you're talking about a smaller rock locker room in the NBA versus you know you're talking about you know 15 guys there all the time, two more on two ways. Uh, as opposed to an NFL locker room when you've got, you know, 55 plus 10 practice squad guys and, and baseball when you're talking 25 plus some dudes that move up and down from uh, AAA, some quadruple A types, and you ultimately are looking about 30 some people. Uh, it's different, you know, so but everybody sort of I talked to was like, man, this is really a fun locker room. Uh, this this group is a lot of fun to be around. It's one of the most fun teams I've ever been a part of. You know, veterans say that guys who have been a bunch of other places. Uh, you know, coaches say that, you know, I mean, like, they really enjoy these guys. And I mean, Pritchard uh, even said it was it was a, it was a heck of an admission, man. I mean, Pritchard has some stem winders like like a Kevin Pritchard answer is a voyage like you set sail when you ask a question with Kevin. Um, but, you know, he, he was saying, you know, I, I was getting really emotional just being in the shower the other night. I think about this team being finished um, because they don't get to be a playoff team. And and I really enjoyed this team so much. I really wanted it for them. Um yeah. And it's a shame that this group, as fun as it was, doesn't get to have a postseason mantle, but maybe it was better off. But then he also said, you know, maybe we were better off not being in postseason because it ultimately sets you up for a better draft pick um, and, you know, doesn't make them think that they're further along than they are. Um, and he, he also said, you know, we, we need to make we need to add to the foundation. You know, it, it, the foundation is not set. You can't look at this group and say that all the core pieces are there uh, for a playoff run. It's not just a case of looking at this and saying, well, those guys will age into will grow into into being a potential finals team uh it's not you know th- th- there are a lot of pieces that are missing i mean i think this group could be a playoff team you know as constituted with a couple more years experience but i don't think it can be i don't know if it can win a series you know i i think you know very clearly you look at the defensive numbers and say that there is something that it is grossly missing rebounding as well uh you know you you can't be, you know, you might be able to sneak up there and win 41, 42 games just on the strength of that offense. Uh, but if you're going to be bottom five defensively, uh, you're going to struggle. It's it's hard to win if you're, you know, like even if they just get better organically with the guys that they've got, you know, do I see them cutting five, you know, do I see them cutting 10 points out of what they're allowing? I, I don't uh, necessarily. And they, and they gave up 119.5 a game that last, you know, this year. That was that was rough. They need to get better. So, so Pritchard being aware of that, I think, tells you that he does not think that 
um, he can do it with these guys. Um, but I do think he sees a value. So I think you'll be, I'll be interested to see how he ultimately weighs that and what, and how that affects his decisions. You know, does that lead to him, you know, pulling off on a deal that he could otherwise do because there's, they're asking for too many good clubhouse guys. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, like I, how closely does he protect Buddy Heald knowing, you know, his value and chemistry versus, you know, maybe that he doesn't fit, um, you know, that that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see. I mean, he said that I, I think it's worth noting that he said that he made big offers uh, in uh, at the deadline. And so, you know, I, I imagine some of that was just draft picks. Um but, you know, uh, it, it sounds like they went all out to get, go get a couple guys. Certainly, O.J. Ananobi was rumored as to one of those guys. Not not that Ananobi wouldn't fit, um, but it, it, it did seem he was willing to part with something um, and, and willing to give something up. And I don't know if there were players involved in that or not, uh, you know, veterans involved in that or not. Um, so you'll, I think you have to see later, you know, how much is he willing to shake it up? Uh, I think he knows that there has to be a prominent player involved in this. And that means a prominent personality, which means a shakeup of the chemistry by definition. Um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be another ego, uh, added, you know, whether that's a rookie's ego, whether that's a veteran's ego, you know, something is going to change the dynamic of this. They are not going to be the same team, uh, next year. And I think he's aware of that. And so I, I, I think he's looking to protect it, but not protect it at all costs. And I think he also knows that Tyrese ultimately sets, um, the tone anyway. And so that means that whoever you throw in there and whoever you lose, Tyrese will be able to, uh, make it a functional or better, uh, you know, chemistry dynamic. So he doesn't have to protect it too closely because ultimately the guy who sets the tone is going to be there, uh, and, you know, is going to make enough people happy that those guys can be happy to be there anyway. Yeah. I mean, I keep coming back to the fact that it's, you know, what can they do, uh, to get to the point where they're a team that can win a first round playoff series. And uh, clearly, they need a power forward. The problem is they need, like, an all-NBA power forward, and it's not like those are easy to find. Right. Um, I, I, what, I, I mean, I, and again, this is really hard to, to answer because we don't have enough information uh, about well, who's available and, and who isn't available and, what, and that kind of thing. But, I mean, I, I, are we thinking that it's uh, you'd, you'd likely draft a power forward, all things being equal? And then you go out and try to find one. I, we were just looking at the free agent list. I, it doesn't seem like there's a realistic uh, possibility there. So then we're talking trades, which is just throwing darts. So we don't need to do that. But right. I, I, that seems like the the goal of the offseason is to add two power forwards, one draft pick and one more veteran guy. I mean, is that the best route for the for the Pacers at this point? Yeah, no, I think so. I think, you know, you, you can add a true power forward and, and uh, another wing, a uh, wingish type guy that you can move anywhere. I mean, I, I think they certainly come out of this feeling like uh, Jordan Ora can be a piece. Um, I, I basically, I mean, they, you know, like, again, it was like, I, I just like him to something. It's like, it's like your buddy was throwing something out of his, he had to move some stuff out of his house cause he got a whole bunch of new stuff and he had to get rid of it. He was just asking, do you want this? And turns out it still works. I mean, if it's a, you know, he got a new TV, you know, he had to get rid of his old one and TV still works, still gets all the channels, you know? And, um, you know, I, I think they, they really feel like they lucked into something with Noor. I mean, I, I, um, I don't know that I printed any of this, um, but you know, I talked to Giannis about him, uh, 
um basically when when you know when the bucks were in town you know obviously uh the, the bucks take their time the pacers are like the fastest changing team in the nba so if you want to talk to somebody else in the other locker room you can generally get them and so i hung around for the for the Giannis scrum uh after the bucks last game in indiana and asked him about nora and he, he just said had just huge things to say about him and they really milwaukee really liked him um and you know i think you've seen that he could really score the basketball i mean he can he can shoot from three uh he can create off the bounce he can get his own he can finish uh and and he can handle the pick and roll uh so i mean he's a valuable piece so i i don't think you want to snuff out the possibility of him getting any minutes but i also don't think he, you'd want him as your starting four man um because i mean i think he's okay defensively but he's not good um you know he's not a plus guy defensively and i think you need a you need a plus guy who can really rebound uh defensively and i you know i do think there's one guy on the board uh draft wise who who looks like he can be that and that's jairus walker um you know obviously again if they get if 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 their lottery if they get the magic lottery ball and they get Victor Wembanyama then everything's different. Um, but if they don't, then I think Walker is a guy that you really look at that might be able to be foundational as a guy that can really defend, guard multiple positions, and really really rebound. Um, and you know can score but doesn't have to and I, and, I, and I think if 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 you have a four man he doesn't have to get a ton of buckets for you. He has to be able to score somewhat. Uh, but if you get 12 to 15 out of him, but you get a really good defensive matchup and a real rebounder, uh, you know, then, then that takes you a long way. And if that's a guy that you can pencil in for years uh, as a draft guy, then then I think that matters. I mean, if, if you can set somebody as a foundational piece there, I think that's something you could really do. Um, and, you know, if they don't get him or, or if they don't get or if they're not satisfied with that, I think certainly they can target more. I don't think it's a bad idea at all to have depth at that position. Um, but I also do think they want to make it so that Nora is part of this and and is a guy going forward because I think they do see real promise there. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. The Nora could easily be, uh, it's sort of silly to get into positions too much. It's more uh, the number of bodies you've got. But you could see him as the uh, as a power forward or a small forward, giving you flexibility on, on who else you, uh, you brought in. So, um, I mean, because the other thing is, if you bring in someone in the draft, then it's, you know, you're bringing in a 19, 20-year-old guy. Um, yeah. Start to wonder about where the, the you know how the timing works for for Miles Turner um, and some of the other players, Buddy Heald, although he's less of a, a point because of the because of his contract situation. But um, yeah, we'd be remiss if we don't mention. I mean, obviously beating the Knicks in the uh, the last game cost them ten percentage points of a top four pick or whatever. Um, I, I mean, I, I again, I, we've talked about this before. I'm a, to me, I'm a tank guy. I would try to get as low as I could. Because that's the way this works. Um, but I also don't know how much control over that they have. You can't tell guys to go out there and lose. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, wherever they end up, seventh or eighth, I think they're tied there. I mean, the ping pong balls are going to come up. And if it's the ninth team, then you're going to be kicking yourself that you didn't finish ninth. So, right. I mean, it's just, but what were your thoughts on how the last game played out? Yeah, it was fascinating. I, th- I mean, um, they really, like, there wasn't a lot more they could do organizationally. And I think uh, somebody asked Miles Turner, you know, actually, um, yeah. What am I going to try to say here? I mean, like, so, so not, I'm not going to advertise other outlets, but somebody else uh, who we, we all know well, and I think is a good reporter was chasing uh, a story about the Mavericks um, 
you know, and, um, you know, ab- about the, just what they did in their tank and, and asked Miles about, um, you know, the uh, what, what his thoughts on it. And Miles said, you know, like at the end of the day, he's like organizations tank, but but players don't. And you can't ask a player not to go all out um, at the end of the day. Whoever you put on the floor is going to go out and you, and, and you have to live with what happens there. And so that's what happened is, and, and, you know, they got like it, it was really telling to me when they took TJ McConnell off the floor. <laughs> you know, when, when it was just like, uh, cause I joked and I said, you know, if, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, they, they should put TJ McConnell, you know, cause, uh, Rick Carlisle said that he was just amazed by his competitive excellence. Cause he had, I think, uh, you know, uh, he basically helped him win the thunder game. And then he had 18 points and 12 assists, uh, against the Knicks the first time when they played him on one last Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I asked Rick about him. He said, you know, I, I, I don't even have any more adjectives for his competitive excellence. And I said, you know what? They really should have put in the injury report TJ McConnell out competitive excellence because that's why he was out. You know, basically that, that McConnell was just refusing to let that second team back down. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, the guy's just it is amazing what he does with what he has, uh, his his ability to just get to his little six foot jumper over and over and over again um, or or get to the rim. I mean, just the way he breaks people down off the dribble, it doesn't seem like he should be able to do it. And he does again and again and again and again. And that keeps you in games and he chases down chases down loose balls and he sets people up with passes and he pushes the pace and like that makes your second unit way too good to throw games away uh you, you can't do it they're going to keep you competitive and so he did and so the fact that they took him out for the last two games told me hey <laughs> you know like they're really tanking this thing they're really making a point like that's saying like we're not running the risk of tj winning us a game because he's playing too hard um and you know from there uh like uh, you, you have George Hill in there and George Hill goes out and strokes five threes. What are you supposed to do? You know, if George Hill is going to, um, uh, is, is going to go hit five threes on a bum shoulder that he busted up falling down, you know, throwing a pass, uh, in the first half, he comes in on a bad shoulder and hits two more threes, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, you, you can't do anything else to hold that back. You know, the, the the second unit they were running out there, giving James Johnson real minutes, you know, like you've done kind of everything that you can to give the game away. And those guys just refused to lose it. And at a certain point, they were like, you know what, we're here. We're going to win this game. Uh, and, you know, they they played as good a defense as I've seen him play in recent weeks in, in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, after after playing atrocious defense in the first. Um, so it, it is what it is. It just happened. And, and, you know, I think the Pacers did just about everything they could do to give that game away without throwing away the, uh, you know, learning opportunity. I mean, I think that's one. It seems like that was Rick Carlisle's kind of basis is I'm going to use this as learning opportunities. If, you know, whoever we hold out, we hold out. But, you know, Benedict Matherin is going to play and he's going to be forced to play and he is going to be coached. Uh, and the same thing for Andrew Nemhard and, you know, same thing for Aaron Neesmith and all these young guys are going to be put in positions where they're going to play. I'm not going to pull the reins back on them. I'm going to make them learn. You know, they're going to be taught and they're going to be asked to do better on each ensuing possession. They're, I'm not going to tell them, hey, you did this wrong, but do it again wrong because we want to lose. Uh, you know, they're they're not, you know, and, and they didn't. To their credit, they did not. They, they did the guys that were on the floor did not tank and and I think that is that's the integrity and and I think what miles said is fair that you can pull guys off the floor 
and say, we're not going to risk you. You know, we're not going to roll the dice with you and we're, we're not going to play this game organizationally to win it. But we are we're going to let young guys play and we're going to let them learn. And, you know, we're going to get on court value from this as well as a draft pick. You know, that that the, the, as long as you're running out there, you're going to be you're going to compete and you're going to learn the lessons from competing. Um, and, and they did that all the way through, you know, as much as, you know, like they certainly didn't try to win games and, you know, like. Man, that second unit on Friday night was just a wreck, uh, you know, kind of giving that game away to Detroit, you know, and, th- and that one they gave away, you know, they did. But, you know, on the floor, nobody was throwing passes out of bounds. Nobody was point shaving. You know, the guys that were on the floor tried and, you know, the, and and Carlisle coached the young guys to make them better. And so I think you have to say that, that they tanked with integrity uh, down the stretch. And, and I don't think you can really do it other way without hurting your organization. All right, let's wrap up. You got a story coming out tomorrow on uh, tomorrow being Thursday. We're taping this on uh, Wednesday on and you've referenced this throughout the, the podcast, but on the defense, um, as you noted earlier, you, they just have to be better on defense. Uh, that, and that's an easy place where they can get better. Um, and so but just sort of take us through what what's the um, what's the angle on the story? What did you learn reporting it? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, uh, that was a thing that, that Carlisle made a point of pointing out when we just asked sort of general questions of, you know, what do you think about this year? What do, what do you do? You feel like this year was a success? You know, how do you feel about where the things stand? And he said, you know, I feel like we've really got a lot of momentum going forward, but we can't be dishonest about where we stand defensively and basically defensively we're bad and you know and everybody needs to get better about that um and that's not an acceptable situation and so you know looked into that and saw you know some some you know this is obviously obvious i'm, I'm not saying anything that that i'm sure all the fans don't already know from having watched this team but just how bad they were at point of attack and just how uh easily they let teams get in the paint and they were second in the league in block shots and they do have a, a couple of good rim protectors obviously in miles turner and isaiah jackson and jalen smith to some degree um but a lot of the reason why they were second in the league in blocks is they uh allowed more field goal attempts i think they were fifth in the league and field goal attempts allowed within five feet basically the, the basically the shots that were taken obviously if you get the block you know that that's something but uh and they gave up i think 20 point they gave up 33.4 shots i want to say it's more than 33 per game uh attempts within five feet and that's a huge number. Uh, and they allowed 20.9 to go in. And so their percentage wasn't bad once you get there. So they were good at contesting stuff at the rim compared to other teams. Uh, but ultimately, you're going to give up 60% of those shots, no matter how good you are at rim protection. Um, and so if you're if you're allowing 33 shots at the rim uh, per game, that's a huge number. And you're giving up I mean, that that's that's, you know, 42 points in the paint right out of the gate. You know, uh, when you're just talking about the layups and that's huge uh, when you're giving up that much uh, at the rim. And so they just really need to get better there. And, and Carlisle just said, basically, everybody's got to get better uh, at guarding their man. And it's just as simple as that. And and communication matters and rotations matter. But basically, they, they, it, they just spent way too much time in rotation because too many guys got beat and too many guys had to help off. And that made for too many other easy buckets. If you've got to, if your man is in the lane and you have to rotate off to stop a drive, you're giving up the easy dunk on the dish. So, you know, and you have to try to rotate over and block that guy. And most of the time, you're not going to do it. Um, and so th- there was way too many plays like that, uh, way too many scenarios like that. And there were way too many guys they can't trust defensively that are good offensive players. Um, 
So, you know, one thing that they noted is 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 the guys that are going to be counted on to score or have to be counted on to play defense, and that means Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Hill if he's still around. Um, and so, you know, he, basically each of those guys were challenged to become better defenders. Matherin, that, that was the case for weeks. Um, but, you know, Halliburton made a point of saying, and Carlisle made a point of saying about him, that uh, if for, for Halliburton to be an effective leader, he's got to be an effective leader on defense. Um, and so he's got to be better there. And, and Halliburton even said, I can't uh, hold guys accountable if I'm not holding myself accountable um and to the next step what that means is getting stronger uh you know for Halliburton I mean he said he plans on uh spending more time in the weight room than he ever has he said there there might be days where I don't pick up a basketball but there won't be days where I don't you know go in the weight room um and spend some at least time lifting and you know because he's feels like he's just got to get stronger especially in the lower half because he said he's getting he, he said I've got to be honest I'm getting overpowered uh at the point of attack um you know Halliburton is a terrific off-ball defender as far as getting his hands in passing lanes and obviously he was, he was top 10 in the league in steel because he just reads the game so well and he can be in position to, to pick off passes or or to to go pick up loose balls or take the ball off of people um you know but but he's not ultimately uh when he's man up on somebody that guy's usually winning uh you know he's getting crossed over he's getting beat up and he's getting overpowered because he doesn't have a ton of muscle you know i mean Halliburton is is a uh, he's got a lot of speed athleticism everything else but that is not a chiseled individual and he's got to get there and so that's good that's gonna be his off season is to make a, a lot of uh of strides physically in hopes that he'll make strides um defensively because you know they, they don't want to have to hide him all the time i mean they, they've got you know they were in a position where they were hiding too many guys and they've got you know nemhard and Neesmith out there that are not their best offensive players but they had to start every game just because they're the only guys that could really guard anybody um and so uh that's an issue there, there's just too many guys that they can't count on uh in a one-on-one matchup defensively and they were they were relying on really really young players uh to to take the biggest defensive assignments i mean you know Andrew Nemhard, you know, guarded LeBron James. He's given up six inches and, you know, probably 60 pounds. And, and, he, and he gave some good resistance, but you're not winning there long term. Um, and, you know, even, you know, Neesmith is giving up 60 pounds to Giannis. It's just they need more. Uh, you know, they, they, they need more in terms of bodies, but they need the bodies they have to be more reliable in one-on-one defensive matchups. So that's going to be a big focus this offseason. All right. Well, that is uh, do it for this episode. Um, uh, calendar coming up, uh, we'll probably be a little bit quiet here. Um, the NBA likes to have its playoffs be the focus, certainly. Um, the draft lottery is May 16th. Uh, the draft combine is the 16th through the 18th. The draft is, uh, June 22nd and then free agency starts shortly after that. Um, there should be, um, Pacers pre-draft workouts. They'll bring in a handful of players. Um, those usually also start in uh, mid-May, right around the time of the lottery and every uh, um, and the, the, the draft combine. Um, so those are other things to keep in mind. Uh, it's hard to imagine a bigger offseason for the Pacers, at least uh, in recent memory. Uh, and uh, we at Indy Star will be all over it. So please uh, check out IndyStar.com. And uh, we'll be back uh, soon for our next podcast. Thank you for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.